Section 11 of The Secret of the Night by Gaston LaRue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 11 The Poison Continues. At ten o'clock that morning, Rouletabille went to the Trebasov villa, which had its guard of secret agents again, a double guard, because Kupriyan was sure the nihilists would not delay in avenging Michael's death. Rouletabille was met by Ermolai, who would not allow him to enter. The faithful servant uttered some explanation in Russian, which the young man did not understand, or, rather, Rouletabille understood perfectly from his manner that henceforth the door of the villa was closed to him. In vain he insisted on seeing the general, Matrena Petrovna, and Mademoiselle Natasha. Ermolai made no reply but, Nyet, nyet, nyet. The reporter turned away without having seen anyone, and walked away deeply depressed. He went afoot, clear into the city, a long promenade during which his brain surged with the darkest forebodings. As he passed by the department of police, he resolved to see Kupriyan again. He went in, gave his name, and was ushered at once to the chief of police, whom he found bent over a long report that he was reading through with noticeable agitation. "'Gunsovsky has sent me this,' he said in a rough voice, pointing to the report. "'Gunsovsky, to do me a service, desires me to know that he is fully aware of all that happened at the Trebasov dacha last night. He warns me that the revolutionaries have decided to get through with the general at once, and that two of them have been given the mission to enter the dacha in any way possible. They will have bombs upon their bodies, and will blow the bombs and themselves up together as soon as they are beside the general.' who are the two victims designated for this horrible vengeance and who have light-heartedly accepted such a death for themselves as well as for the general that is what we don't know that is what we would have known perhaps if you had not prevented me from seizing the papers that prince galich has now kupriyan finished turning hostily toward rouletabille rouletabille had turned pale don't regret what happened to the papers he said it is i who tell you not to but what you say does not surprise me they must believe that natasha has betrayed them ah then you admit at last that she really is their accomplice i haven't said that and i don't admit it but i know what i mean and you you can't only know this one thing that at the present moment i am the only person able to save you in this horrible situation to do that i must see natasha at once make her understand this while i wait at my hotel for word i'll not leave it Rouletabille saluted Kupriyan and went out. Two days passed, during which Rouletabille did not receive any word from either Natasha or Kupriyan, and tried in vain to see them. He made a trip for a few hours to Finland, going as far as Pergalovo, an isolated town said to be frequented by the revolutionaries, then returned, much disturbed, to his hotel, after having written a last letter to Natasha imploring an interview. The minutes passed very slowly for him in the hotel's vestibule, where he had seemed to have taken up a definite residence. Installed on a bench, he seemed to have become part of the hotel staff, and more than one traveller took him for an interpreter. Others thought he was an agent of the secret police appointed to study the faces of those arriving and departing. What was he waiting for, then? Was it for Anuchka to return for a luncheon or dinner in that place that she sometimes frequented? and did he at the same time keep watch upon Anuchka's apartments just across the way? 
If that was so, he could only bewail his luck, for Anuchka did not appear either at her apartments or the hotel, or at the Krestowski establishment which had been obliged to suppress her performance. Rouletabille naturally thought, in the latter connection, that some vengeance by Gunsovsky lay back of this, since the head of the secret police could hardly forget the way he had been treated. The reporter could see already the poor singer, in spite of all her safeguards in the favor of the imperial family, on the road to the Siberian steppes or the dungeons of Schlüsselburg. "'My, what a country!' he murmured but his thoughts soon quit Anuchka and returned to the object of his main preoccupation. He waited for only one thing, and for that as soon as possible, to have a private interview with Natasha. He had written her ten letters in two days, but they all remained unanswered. It was an answer that he waited for so patiently in the vestibule of the hotel, so patiently, but so nervously, so feverishly. When the postman entered, poor Rouletabille's heart beat rapidly. On that answer he waited for depended the formidable part he meant to play before quitting Russia. He had accomplished nothing up to now unless he could play his part in this later development. But the letter did not come. The postman left, and the Schwitzar, after examining all the mail, made him a negative sign. Ah, the servants who entered, and the errand boys, how he looked at them! But they never came to him. Finally, at six o'clock, in the evening of the second day, a man in a frock-coat with a false astrakhan collar came in and handed the concierge a letter for Joseph Rouletabille. The reporter jumped up. Before the man was out the door, he had torn open the letter and read it. The letter was not from Natasha. It was from Gunsovsky. This is what it said. "'My dear Monsieur Joseph Rouletabille, if it will not inconvenience you, I wish you would come and dine with me to-day.' I will look for you within two hours. Madame Gunsovsky will be pleased to make your acquaintance. Believe me, your devoted Gunsovsky. Rouletabille considered and decided. I will go. He ought to have wind of what is being plotted, and, as for me, I don't know where Anuchka has gone. I have more to learn from him than he has from me. Besides, as Athanase Georgievich said, one may regret not accepting the head of the Okrana's pleasant invitation." From six o'clock to seven he still waited vainly for Natasha's response. At seven o'clock he decided to dress for the dinner. Just as he rose, a messenger arrived. There was still another letter for Joseph Rouletabille. This time it was from Natasha, who wrote him. "'General Trebasov and my stepmother will be very happy to have you come to dinner to-day. As for myself, monsieur, you will pardon me the order which has closed to you for a number of days a dwelling where you have rendered services which I shall not forget all my life. The letter ended with a vague, polite formula. With the letter in his hand, the reporter sat in thought. He seemed to be asking himself, Is it fish or flesh? Was it a letter of thanks or of menace? That was what he could not decide. Well, he would soon know, for he had decided to accept the invitation. Anything that brought him and Natasha into communication at the moment was a thing of capital importance to him. Half an hour later he gave the address of the villa to an Ishvotchik, and soon he stepped out before the gate where Ermolai seemed to be waiting for him. Rouletabille was so occupied by thought of the conversation he was going to have with Natasha that he had completely forgotten the excellent Monsieur Gunsovsky and his invitation. The reporter found Kuprian's agents making a close-linked chain around the grounds and each watching the other. Matrena had not wished any agent to be in the house. He showed Kuprian's pass and entered. 
Ermolai ushered Rouletabille in with shining face. He seemed glad to have him there again. He bowed low before him and uttered many compliments, of which the reporter did not understand a word. Rouletabille passed on, entered the garden, and saw Matrena Petrovna there walking with her stepdaughter. They seemed on the best of terms with each other. The grounds wore an air of tranquillity, and the residents seemed to have totally forgotten the sombre tragedy of the other night. Matrena and Natasha came smilingly up to the young man who inquired after the general. They both turned and pointed out Feodor Feodorovitch, who waved to him from the height of the kiosk, where it seemed the table had been spread. They were going to dine out of doors this fine night. "'Everything goes very well, very well indeed, dear little Domovoy,' said Matrena. "'How glad it is to see you, and thank you. If you only knew how I suffered in your absence, I who know how unjust my daughter was to you. But dear Natasha knows now what she owes you. She doesn't doubt your word now, nor your clear intelligence, little angel. Michael Nikolaevich was a monster, and he was punished as he deserved. You know the police have proof now that he was one of the Central Revolutionary Committee's most dangerous agents. And he an officer. Whom can we trust now?' "'And Monsieur Boris Morozov, have you seen him since?' inquired Rouletabille. "'Boris called to see us to-day, to say good-bye, but we did not receive him under the orders of the police. Natasha has written to tell him of Kuprian's orders. We have received letters from him. He is quitting St. Petersburg.' "'What for?' "'Well, after the frightful bloody scene in his little house, when he learned how Michael Nikolaevich had found his death, and after he himself had undergone a severe grilling from the police—' and when he learned the police had sacked his library and gone through his papers he resigned and has resolved to live from now on out in the country without seeing anyone like the philosopher and poet he is so far as i am concerned i think he is doing absolutely right when a young man is a poet it is useless to live like a soldier someone has said that i don't know the name now and when one has ideas that may upset other people surely they ought to live in solitude rouletabille looked at natasha who was as pale as her white gown and who added no word to her mother's outburst they had drawn near the kiosk rouletabille saluted the general who called to him to come up and when the young man extended his hand he drew him abruptly nearer and embraced him to show rouletabille how active he was getting again feodor feodorovitch marched up and down the kiosk with only the aid of a stick he went and came with a sort of wild furious gaiety they haven't got me yet the dogs they haven't got me and one he was thinking of michael who saw me every day was here just for that very well i ask you where he is now and yet here i am an attack i'm always here but with a good eye and i begin to have a good leg we shall see why i recollect how when i was at tiflis there was an insurrection in the caucasus we fought several times i could feel the swish of bullets past my hair my comrades fell around me like flies, but nothing happened to me, not a thing. And here now, they will not get me, they will not get me. You know how they plan to come to me, as living bombs. Yes, they have decided on that. I can't press a friend's hand any more without the fear of seeing him explode. What do you think of that? But they won't tell me. Come drink my health, a small glass of vodka for an appetizer. You see, young man, we are going to have zakuskis here what a marvellous panorama you can see everything from here if the enemy comes he added with a singular loud laugh we can't fail to detect them certainly the kiosk did rise high above the garden and was completely detached no wall being near they had a clear view 
no branches of trees hung over the roof and no tree hid the view the rustic table of rough wood was covered with a sort of cloth and was spread with sakuskis it was a meal under the open sky a seat and a glass in the clear azure the evening could not have been softer and clearer and as the general felt so gay the repast would have promised to be most agreeable if rouletabille had not noticed that matrena petrovna and natasha were uneasy and downcast the reporter soon saw too that all the general's joviality was a little excessive any one would have said that feodor feodorovitch spoke to distract himself to keep himself from thinking there was sufficient excuse for him after the outrageous drama of the other night rouletabille noticed further that the general never looked at his daughter even when he spoke to her there was too formidable a mystery lying between them for restraint not to increase day by day rouletabille involuntarily shook his head saddened by all he saw his movement was surprised by matrena petrovna who pressed his hand in silence well now said the general well now my children where is the vodka among all the bottles which graced the table the general looked in vain for his flask of vodka how in the world could he dine if he did not prepare for that important act by the rapid absorption of two or three little glasses of white wine between two or three sandwiches of caviar ermolai must have left it in the wine-chest said matrena the wine-closet was in the dining-room she rose to go there but natasha hurried before her down the little flight of steps crying stay there mamma i will go don't you bother either i know where it is cried rouletabille and hurried after natasha she did not stop the two young people arrived in the dining-room at the same time they were there alone as rouletabille had foreseen he stopped natasha and planted himself in front of her why mademoiselle did you not answer me earlier because i don't wish to have any conversation with you if that was so you would not have come here where you were sure i would follow she hesitated with an emotion that would have been incomprehensible to all others perhaps but was not to rouletabille well yes i wish to say this to you don't write to me any more don't speak to me don't see me go away from here monsieur go away they will have your life and if you have found out anything forget it ah on the head of your mother forget it or you are lost that is what i wish to tell you and now you go she grasped his hand in a quick sympathetic movement that she seemed instantly to regret you go away she repeated rouletabille still held his place before her she turned from him she did not wish to hear anything further mademoiselle said he you are watched closer than ever who will take michael nikolaevitch's place madman be silent hush i am here he said this with such simple bravery that tears sprang to her eyes dear man poor man dear brave man she did not know what to say her emotion checked all utterance but it was necessary for her to enable him to understand that there was nothing he could do to help her in her sad straits no if they knew what you had just said what you have proposed now you would be dead to-morrow don't let them suspect and above all don't try to see me any more go back to papa at once we have been here too long what if they learn of it and they learn everything they are everywhere and have ears everywhere mademoiselle just one word more a single word do you doubt now that michael tried to poison your father ah oh, i wish to believe it i wish to i wish to believe it for your sake my poor boy rouletabille desired something besides i wish to believe it for your sake poor boy he was far from being satisfied she saw him turn pale she tried to reassure him while her trembling hands raised the lid of the wine-chest 
what makes me think you are right is that i have decided myself that only one and the same person as you said climbed to the window of the little balcony yes no one can doubt that and you have reasoned well but he persisted still and yet in spite of that you were not entirely sure since you say i wish to believe it my poor boy monsieur rouletabille someone might have tried to poison my father and not have come by way of the window no that is impossible nothing is impossible to them and she turned her head away again why why she said with her voice entirely changed and quite indifferent as if she wished to be merely the daughter of the house in conversation with the young man the vodka is not in the wine-chest after all what has ermolai done with it then she ran over to the buffet and found the flask oh here it is papa shan't be without it after all rouletabille was already into the garden again if that is the only doubt she has he said to himself i can reassure her no one could come excepting by the window and only one came that way the young girl had rejoined him bringing the flask they crossed the garden together to the general who was whiling away the time as he waited for his vodka explaining to matrena petrovna the nature of the constitution he had spilt a box of matches on the table and arranged them carefully here he cried to natasha and rouletabille come here and i will explain to you as well what this constitution amounts to the young people leaned over his demonstration curiously and all eyes in the kiosk were intent on the matches you see that match said feodor feodorovitch it is the emperor and this other match is the empress this one is the tsarevich and that one is the grand duke alexander and these are the other grand dukes now here are the ministers and there the principal governors and then the generals these here are the bishops the whole box of matches was used up and each match was in its place as is the way in an empire where proper etiquette prevails in government and the social order well continued the general do you want to know matrena petrovna what a constitution is there that is the constitution the general with a swoop of his hand mixed all the matches rouletabille laughed but the good matrena said i don't understand feodor find the emperor now then matrena understood she laughed heartily she laughed violently and natasha laughed also delighted with his success feodor feodorovitch took up one of the little glasses that natasha had filled with the vodka she brought listen my children said he we are going to commence the zakuskis kupriyan ought to have been here before this saying this holding still the little glass in his hand he felt in his pocket with the other for his watch and drew out a magnificent large watch whose ticking was easily heard ah the watch has come back from the repairer rouletabille remarked smilingly to matrena petrovna it looks like a splendid one it has very fine works said the general it was bequeathed to me by my grandfather it marks the seconds and the phases of the moon and sounds the hours and half-hours rouletabille bent over the watch admiring it you expect monsieur coupriand for dinner inquired the young man still examining the watch yes but since he is so late we'll not delay any longer your healths my children said the general as rouletabille handed him back the watch and he put it in his pocket your health feodor feodorovitch replied matrena petrovna with her usual tenderness rouletabille and natasha only touched their lips to the vodka but feodor feodorovitch and matrena drank theirs in the russian fashion head back and all at a draught draining it to the bottom and flinging the contents to the back of the throat they had no more performed this gesture when the general uttered an oath and tried to expel what he had drained so heartily matrena petrovna spat violently also looking with horror at her husband 
"'What is it? What has someone put in the vodka?' cried Feodor. "'What has someone put in the vodka?' repeated Matrena Petrovna in a thick voice, her eyes almost starting from her head. The two young people threw themselves upon the unfortunates. Feodor's face had an expression of atrocious suffering. "'We are poisoned!' cried the general, in the midst of his chokings. "'I'm burning inside!' Almost mad, Natasha took her father's head in her hands. She cried to him, "'Vomit, papa, vomit!' "'We must find an emetic,' cried Rouletabille, holding on to the general, who had almost slipped from his arms. Matrena Petrovna, whose gagging noises were violent, hurried down the steps of the kiosk, crossed the garden as though wildfire were behind her, and bounded into the veranda. During this time the general succeeded in easing himself, thanks to Rouletabille, who had thrust a spoon to the root of his tongue. Natasha could do nothing but cry, "'My God! My God! My God!' Feodor held on to his stomach, still crying, "'I'm burning! I'm burning!' The scene was frightfully tragic and funny at the same time. To add to the burlesque, the general's watch in his pocket struck eight o'clock. Feodor Feodorovitch stood up in a final supreme effort. "'Oh, it is horrible!' Matrena Petrovna showed a red, almost violet face as she came back. She distorted it, she choked, her mouth twitched, but she brought something, a little packet that she waved, and from which, tremblingly, frightenedly, she shook a powder into the first two empty glasses, which were on her side of the table, and were those she and the general had drained. She still had strength to fill them with water, while Rouletabille was almost overcome by the general, whom he still had in his arms, and Natasha concerned herself with nothing but her father, leaning over him as though to follow the progress of the terrible poison, to read in his eyes if it was to be life or death. "'Ibakak!' cried Matrena Petrovna, and she made the general drink it. She did not drink until after him. The heroic woman must have exerted superhuman force to go herself to find the saving antidote in her medicine-chest, even while the agony pervaded her vitals." Some minutes later both could be considered saved. The servants, Ermolai at their head, were clustered about. Most of them had been at the lodge, and they had not, it appeared, heard the beginning of the affair, the cries of Natasha and Rouletabille. Kupriyan arrived just then. It was he who worked with Natasha in getting the two to bed. Then he directed one of his agents to go for the nearest doctors they could find. This done, the prefect of police went toward the kiosk where he had left Rouletabille but Rouletabille was not to be found, and the flask of vodka and glasses from which they had drunk were gone also. Ermolai was nearby, and he inquired of the servant for the young Frenchman. Ermolai replied that he had just gone away, carrying the flask and the glasses. Kupriyan swore. He shook Ermolai, and even started to give him a blow with the fist for permitting such a thing to happen before his eyes without making a protest. Ermolai, who had his own haughtiness, dodged Kupriyan's fist, and replied that he had wished to prevent the young Frenchman, but the reporter had shown him a police paper, on which Kupriyan himself had declared in advance that he, the young Frenchman, was to do anything he pleased. End of chapter 11 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.